service. I do. I love this service. I get more. Um, I get more amens <laughs> at this service than I do any uh, any in the past. As uh, I think some of you just like honking your horn, but either way, it's great. <laughs> I love y'all. Well, today um, we're kind of we. We started this process, and I'm really grateful the Lord gave us kind of uh, an insight on how we could do church in stages of people coming back based upon, you know, so many variety of reasons. We, we wanted to, to see if, um, you know, if we started off and we did kind of drive up church, um, if anybody would show up, and it's been growing ever since and then last week um, for the first time we did did this and uh, and was wondering if when we did this if we would have any people come and drive in still because it's just hard to 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 figure and of course this was filled and that overfilled and uh, the drive-in and so of course this week we're adding the indoor service in the 1045 for those who um, who feel comfortable in that environment, and I love the fact that you can kind of come in your comfort zone and and uh, and be able to, you know, enjoy the service based upon you know the variables that uh, that you have individually. So thank you, and uh, I really appreciate our chance to be able to be together. And people have just been saying thank you for doing this. Thank you that we can we can see each other and. Some of you that uh, have not come for the first time, I know that those who have went, oh, this just feels so good for us to be able to be together. So I want to um, I want to open I want to just have prayer before I get started uh, this this morning and ask for God's help. Would you just join me in that? Heavenly Father, we come before you and uh, Lord, I'm always aware of how much I need you and we all need you. Um, I ask God that you would help me as I, Lord, teach your word this morning. I pray that you would help us as we listen, Lord, that our ears would be anointed as well as my voice, and that, Lord, we would receive from you all that you have for us. We thank you, Lord. We can rely on you. I ask for your filling of your Holy Spirit, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This um, portion of scripture is one that um, if you grew up in Sunday school, all of you know very, very well. Um, but it's just been kind of on my heart for the last two weeks. And, uh, and I was kind of hesitant doing it. I, I actually looked at my, um, you know, the history of, of, uh, of my messages. And I did uh, speak uh, from this portion of scripture about eight years ago. And, uh, and I, I thought, you know, Lord, is this really, you know, what what you want and I prayed God give me just kind of a for sure you know on this and uh, Carol just kind of confirmed it that the Lord was speaking to her I didn't even tell her what I was um, speaking on and she just confirmed something that was on her heart it came from this portion of scripture and I said I think the Lord might be saying something so I'm anticipating God doing a good thing I think the reason I went to this text is simply because of where I think so many of us are right now 
in our lives. And I think it relates to so many of the challenges, the fears, the, um, the unknowns that are there. And, uh, and also the desire that we have to go further and, uh, with our, our walk and our experiences with God. And so um, we're going to be in the, in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, and we're going to be in, in verse 22. And it's the story of Jesus walking on water. But I think it's more than that. I think it's a story of Peter walking on water. And, uh, and so um, let, let's, let's uh, pick up the story in verse 22 as I just read it. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So Jesus sends the disciples across the sea of Galilee. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Then when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night. Now the fourth watch of the night was between three and six o'clock in the morning. So it's dark out probably and um, and uh, Jesus, it was after Jesus had fed the 5,000. If you look kind of in the chron chronology of Jesus' uh, life, he had just fed the 5,000 and they wanted to make him king. And he said no. And so he went up to the mountain to pray. Disciples are in the boat. They're He's going to meet them on the other side. And if, you, if you've ever been to Israel and saw the Sea of Galilee, you can see the shoreline, and you can actually walk around it. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a good walk, but certainly Jesus could have walked around to meet them on the other side, and that's what they were anticipating. And all of a sudden, the storm rises up, right? And so as this storm rises up, there's, um, they're, they're starting to be afraid. And these fishermen don't get fearful easy unless something has really come their way and this storm was enough to to cause fear um when they were in the middle of that storm and they're rowing it says they're rowing contrary that means against the wind and it's coming this way but they're going the other direction because jesus told them to go to the other side and they don't know where jesus is they're in they're in a storm and they don't know where jesus is i'm going to say that again they're in a storm, and they don't know where Jesus is. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you're in a storm, and you just don't know where Jesus is. But Jesus knew where they were, and that's the point. See, they might not know where Jesus is, but Jesus knew where they were. And Jesus knows where you are. And I'm not just talking about location. I'm not talking about geography here. I'm talking about he knows where you are. He knows where you are spiritually, emotionally, financially, relationally. He knows where you are in every aspect of your life. And even if you don't know where Jesus is, even if you can't see him right now, you're in the middle of a storm and you can't see him, he knows where you are. And know this, that Jesus is going to get to the boat before it goes under. He's on his way. He's going to make sure that they're taken care of. And so he, he's on his way. He's, he's uh, walking on the water. I try to picture that. And you've kind of, there, there's movies that put out. Jesus kind of walking on the water. And the, the waves are just kind of splashing against his, his, you know, his ankles. But this is a storm. So he's either kind of walking on top of the waves or he's walking up the hill. I mean, I don't know how that all looks, but he knows how to get there and he's walking on water. And, um, 
And the, by the way, the disciples have never seen anybody walk on water before. Right? So they probably weren't anticipating this was the means by which they would meet Jesus. And that's also the point in our life. That so many times we don't know how Jesus is coming. We don't know in what, in what way he's coming to us. And so we're anticipating that Jesus is coming and to meet us, but we not, might not get there because the storm might take us under before we ever get to the shore on the other side. But Jesus is not going to be at the shore at the other side. He's going to meet us while we're in the storm in the boat. And so... <clears throat> All of a sudden, they see a silhouette. It says in verse 26, So when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, is, It is a ghost. And they cried out with fear. I don't know how many ghosts they had seen in their life, but they certainly are not convinced that this is Jesus right away. They don't recognize right away that it's Jesus. And, and so they're... They're kind of afraid that what this that they see isn't really Jesus. And sometimes Jesus shows up in ways that we don't anticipate or we don't recognize that it's Jesus that's shown up in our life, that's shown up to take care of things in our life. Jesus is at work all around us, and oftentimes we're just missing it. We just don't see it. We don't see that that's Jesus. Sometimes, we, in fact, the things that are happening, we interpret as being something other than Jesus. Something maybe nefarious to us. Maybe the enemy is, is at work, and yet what it is is actually it's Jesus at work in our life. And he's at work making things happen all around us. And so the, the scripture says they cry out with fear, and immediately... I love that. Immediately, when Jesus hears them cry out with fear, what does he do? He responds immediately. He sa it says, immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Don't let this fear overcome you. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, Jesus will oftentimes, you know, use that word because... If fear isn't dealt with in our life, fear will overcome us. How we deal with our fear, everyone will experience this fear. Fear comes its way in our life. And what we do is we build a pattern in our minds over time how we deal with fear. What's the pattern in your mind? What, what is your first reaction when fear comes your way? Because that pattern is probably something that you have, you have done over and over again, and it has set root in your life how you respond. When fear comes, is the first thing you do, is it immediately just to hunker down and to you know, be anxious and worry and just think of the worst case scenario over and over in your mind? Because that, if you do that, you probably do that every time fear comes because you have built this pattern in your mind of, of feeding your fear with more anxiety and worry and, 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 and processing. Now some, on the other hand, the minute fear comes, 
they look for Jesus. They look for the, they, they try to hear the voice of God. What would God say? What is God saying at this point in my life? Fear comes and I look for the answer. I look for the solution. I look for the peace that God would give me. Jesus says to them, hey, don't fear. Don't be anxious. Be cheerful. Be cheerful. Have this natural response. Have this build in this natural response by doing it every time you start to fear, to, to experience fear, to begin to go, hallelujah, I praise you, Lord. Praise your name, Jesus. And you become cheerful immediately before the fear takes root and starts to grow into your heart and life. And so Jesus' response, he, he tells them, to, to be, it's, he says, don't be, now why shouldn't they be fearful? Because he says, it's me. That's really the reason why. The reason why we don't need to be fearful is because Jesus is here. And that's, the, because if Jesus isn't here, then, well, it's, I guess fear, fear is probably the only thing you have. But if you have Jesus, well, then you can be cheerful and not be overcome with fear. And so <clears throat> Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I want you to notice he says, command me to come to you on the water not command me or he's not saying you know uh, tell me to, get, to take a walk on the water he's saying command me to come to you because the point is Peter wanted to come to Jesus but he did want to come on the water what did that where did that come from in the heart of Peter really I mean isn't it like the storms raging Right? And Peter thinks, I think I'd like to walk on water. I mean, listen, 99% and, and certainly all the rest of the disciples were thinking, Jesus, would you calm the storm? Because that's really what we want. We want the storm to be calmed. We want to feel comfortable. We want to feel safe. We want to, you know, we, we, want, we want the safety of the boat. That's what we're looking for. The safety of our boat. Can, can our boat be safe? There's a lot of anxiety in our in, today. A lot of anxiety. I, I, you know, in, in the communities where sometimes uh, riots have broken out. I, I know of one um, person in our church that in, they were in their home. And down in their neighborhood, down, down the street, um, one house was being pelted with rocks and bo water bottles, and they were because I think they had a flag up. And, and, and they're in the home with their kids, thinking, you know, this home isn't that safe. Jesus, Jesus, would you just make my house safe? You see, that's that's kind of our our thinking as we're looking. You know. Jesus, would you just calm the storm so I can relax in the boat? And Peter goes, 
hey, I'd like to walk on water. I want to get out of the boat, and I want to get in the storm. Because Jesus has not calmed the storm. Peter is not getting out of a boat that has calm water, just in case he sinks. He's getting out of a boat that's in the middle of a storm. And he is saying, Jesus, if this is you, which, by the way, is always a good thing to ask if you're going to get out of the boat and get in the storm, if this is you, Jesus. We want to make sure it's Jesus, right? So here's a couple of points. For those of you taking notes, uh, I want to talk about uh, my points on water walkers, okay? Water walkers. Maybe turn to your name and say, are you a water walker? Yeah, maybe. Some of you go, I don't even like to get in the water. I mean, the bathtub is about as deep as I go. But he, he said, I, water walkers are looking for Jesus in the storm. See, that's where they're going first. We're, we're not so much looking for, Lord, make me comfortable and peaceful. I'm looking for Jesus. Where's Jesus in all of this? Jesus is around. Folks, I don't know where, you know, what, what the status of your, you know, anxiety level is, but I want you to know Jesus is around. I don't know what's going on in your life, but Jesus knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows exactly where you are, and, and Jesus knows, and not only knows, but he's around. He's come. He comes to you. And it is better, you better, I better, look for Jesus in the storm. Because if you aren't looking for Jesus in the storm, you're only going to see the storm. The storm is the only thing you will see if you're not looking for Jesus in the storm. And, and the, the storm will consume you. And the storm, by the way, is where Jesus is. He's not in the boat. He's in the storm. He's walking on the water. He's right in the middle of the storm. So, so in the storm is Jesus. And maybe... We're missing, because our eyes are on the storm, we're missing Jesus in the storm. Two months ago, we talked about the, the story of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and how they were stuck at the, at the Red Sea, and it looked like that they now were, they were done for. That, that th it was over for them. In fact... They complained that God had put them in a place that was going to be the end of them. But what God had done is God had set an entrapment for the enemy. They just didn't know it. I've been watching the last two months. I've been watching the fact that I believe Jesus, I believe God has set an entrapment for the enemy. And if we'll look right in the middle of the storm, we'll see God working in ways that we would miss if we're only looking at the storm. And so if you're only looking at things that are going on around us, the, you know, the virus and, and the, the, you know, the, the, the pandemic or the riots or whatever else might be going on, if you're looking at, how, at the things, maybe your financial situations, you're looking at you know, what's going on in the economy and all of that, if you're only looking at the storm and you're missing you're not looking for Jesus, you'll be missing how 
Jesus, how God is setting up the enemy, because he is. And what God is doing, he's working behind the scenes, and he's entrapping the enemy. The enemy thinks he's got victory, and we're going to watch, you watch, how the enemy is going to be defeated because God is already, he's already planned it. The enemy is already, it's already too late for him. He, 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 he can't back up. He can't back up. It's already too late for him. And as we just, see, Peter knew from experience that, that if, even if he is sinking, Jesus will be there to lift him up. So he's going, Lord, if it's you, I want to try this. Can I try this? Maybe I could do this. I, I wonder how many things that we don't even try because we think we'll fail. How many times have we not said, well, let me pray for you that God will heal you. Let me pray for this situation in your life. Maybe how many times have we not stepped out in faith and, and shared a faith-filled uh, you know, message to someone or, or um, shared the word of God or shared salvation with someone and ministered to people simply because we thought we might fail? I don't know what to say. Anybody... Anybody not said anything simply because, even though you knew somebody needs something, but you just didn't know what to say, you don't have to lift your hand. I, I think, I think Jesus will lift you up out of the water if you fail. I'm, I'm pretty convinced of that. And Peter was. So Peter, Peter, Jesus said to him, come. And then when Peter had come down out of the boat, well, let's just stop there. He got out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. He got out of his comfort zone. He got out of the thing that, sh that was his rescue and had been his rescue as the storm is going. You've got to be in the boat. I mean, every fisherman knows that when the storm's coming, you've got to stay in the boat. But Peter gets out of the boat, and he walks on water. John Ortberg says this. He says, Matthew is not glorifying risk-taking for its own sake. Jesus is not looking for bungee-jumping, hand-gliding, tornado-chasing pinto drivers. Water... Water walk is not something Peter does for recreational purposes. This is not a story about extreme sports. It's extreme discipleship. This means that, that before Peter gets out of the boat, he had better be sure that Jesus thinks it's a good idea. And if it's you, Lord, he says, command me to come to you. The conditions when Peter got out of the boat, the violence of the storm, Peter has this sudden insight into Jesus, and he sees Jesus. He, he understands and he knows the power and the presence and the person of Jesus. And that's why he could get out of the boat, because he knew who Jesus was. He knew that if he was to sink, that Jesus would be there.
for him. He understands the nature of Jesus enough to get out of the boat. Because if you don't, you'll never get out of the boat. If you don't understand the caring hand of Jesus, if you only see that possibly Jesus would let you go, that Jesus wouldn't be there for you, you'll never ever get out of the boat in your life. And God is asking us and calling us. He wants more people to be like Jesus and be water walkers. <clears throat> and if you don't get out of the boat, it's certain guarantee that you will never walk on water. So it's kind of a, a, a safety or sinking kind of thing. And <clears throat> there's, there's something inside of us that tells us that there's more to life. But a lot of people live their whole life thinking, you know, there's more to life. But they never get out of the boat to experience it. And water walking experiences aren't a one-time thing for followers of Christ. In fact, it is the way we live. We live stretching our faith. We live, it, we live our life anticipating that God's calling us to do something that is far more than what we can accomplish, more than the, what we can do, and that we might fail in doing it. But even if that's the case, what we do know is that Jesus will always lift us up. We know his character. We know his nature. Question. What's your boat? What's your boat? What is your safety environment? Or at least that you think is your safety environment. Sometimes we think our safety environment is our bank account, so we won't risk anything. Sometimes we think our safety environment is, you know, our home, or our safety environment is, is kind of a, a protected environment. If we're going to walk on water, everything, everything has to be on, I need to get to Jesus. And so, there's a problem, and water walkers expect problems. And the scripture says, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And Peter goes for it. And for the very first time in human history, an ordinary man walks on water. Amazing. And then you know the story. It says, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous. I love that it uses that word. Boisterous. See, why? The, because... The enemy always tries to boise, you know, the enemy's boisterous. The enemy will just, yeah, you're, you're, you're done for. The enemy will try to get attention off of Jesus and onto to your problem, onto your situation. It's always boisterous. It's because the moment you step out of the boat, the, the, there's, well, there's an anxiety in the kingdom of darkness. There's, there's always anxiety when people of God step out of the boat to go to Jesus because the moment you do that the kingdom of darkness is threatened could you imagine could you imagine if Peter became a regular water walker what what if Peter what if Peter got to the level of his faith in in you know in his life where water walking became a regular thing for him 
Could you imagine the testimony, the witness of this man who has come to the place? So the enemy comes in real strong at this point, and he looks and he sees that the, the storm is boisterous, as it says, and he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, nothing had really changed except for Peter's focus. The storm was going. The wind and the waves shouldn't have surprised him. He saw it beforehand, and it shouldn't surprise us. If we're going to, if, if we're water walkers, if we're people of faith, if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be disciples of Christ, then we should expect there's going to be problems. Water walkers know there's problems. They expect problems. They know it's, it's risky to step out of the boat. They also know that it's more risky to stay in the boat in their life. The relationships that never get deepened, the people who never get served, the prayers that never get prayed, the gifts that, never, that, that are never given, the battles that are never fought, joy, you never experience the people who never meet Jesus. Because we don't get out of the boat. I mean, you might fail. You might strike out. And there might be fear. And water walkers accept fear as a price of growth. The choice to live a life you were meant to live is a choice to experience and the reoccurrence of fear at times. But when you follow Jesus, he always takes you beyond your capabilities and forces you to go beyond your capacities. And the truth about walking on water is that fear never goes away because whenever you make the choice to grow, it's always, it always comes. Because it involves going into new territory, taking on new challenges, doing new things, all which equals sometimes fear. But how you respond to fear eventually becomes a lifestyle. And the only power that fear has over us is the power that we give it. And I want you to notice it says that immediately, immediately, here we go again, immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. So as he's sinking, Jesus doesn't wait. He doesn't do which some of the things which I did with one of my children when I threw him in the water to swim. I let him go down and then lifted him up. Thinking that would help them. And it kept him from swimming for about a year after that. Because I heard it was a great way to get people to start. Because when you throw them in the water, they're going to swim. Not necessarily. Sometimes you go down. But not when Peter, not with Jesus. Jesus immediately stretched out his, out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Now, I've read this for years. And I think I really have misread it the way I've said it. I, I, I've said it and misread it this way. Oh, you of little doubt. Why did you fear? I don't think the, that's the way Jesus said it. You, you of little faith. 
what he, what he, I think what he was saying was, Peter, you have little faith. I'm, I, I, Peter, why, why did you doubt? You were doing so good. You were walking on water. The, well, Peter, you were almost there. Son, you were almost there. I don't think it's a put down. I think it's an encouragement. Peter, why'd you doubt? You're doing so well. You know? You're walking on water. And, and by the way, when Peter comes back, none of the disciples go, dude, man, what was wrong with you? You didn't have much faith. No way. His failure was never criticized. In fact, it's an honor to Peter. He's still the only human being that ever walked the face of the earth, normal human being that walked on water. He didn't do it like Jesus did, but he did it. It says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now the storm comes. They, they get, he get back in the boat. Now the storm. Jesus wanted Peter to walk on water in the middle of the storm. He didn't want to calm the storm first before he walked on water. He wanted him to walk on a stormy water. He wants you and I to operate in faith. He wants us to face our fears. He doesn't need to calm the storm for us to walk on water. He doesn't need to calm the storms for us to overcome our fears and anxieties. He doesn't need to calm the storm for us, you know, to get out of the boat. If we'll keep our focus where it's supposed to be. And then those who were in the boat saw... Um, it says, those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly you are the sons of, son of God. And that's the next point. That water walkers cause others to glorify God. Even, even when you fail, but you gave and you started the process in faith. Even when you step out and you started the process in faith, you will cause other people to look to Jesus and to worship the Lord. It isn't your success that causes people to worship the Lord. It is your attempt. It is just simply, are you willing? People who attempt, people who go and, and by faith are operating in faith in their walk with God, in their life, and they're stepping out at times. And even when they're not succeeding, but their, their effort is surely, you know, Faith-filled attempts cause people to look to God and say, man, I, maybe I ought to try that. Maybe they sunk, but they also walked. Maybe I'll do that. And they fell down and they worshiped. Folks, Jesus is still looking for people to get out of the boat. He is. And when Jesus calls us out, we would be a fool not to respond.
So I have a question for you. I'm going to ask you. We close. I'm going to ask you. Where's Jesus in your storm right now? Do you see him? Do you see him working? Do you see him walking on water? Do you see that silhouette that you're, maybe you're not absolutely sure that that's the Lord, but maybe it is. Lord, is that you? Are you the one doing that? Is this coming because of you? You see, in the storm, and and here's here's the kind of the point. You don't know who caused a storm. There's no mention that God caused this storm. There's no mention that the enemy caused the storm. You don't know who's behind the storm. What you do find out is you know the one who's walking above the storm. The one who's in charge. The one that isn't surprised. The one who absolutely knows what's happening. And he is there. And some of us have been so caught up in our storm right now. Everywhere we look, all we can see is the storm because we have not stopped and looked to see where Jesus is. Would you do that? Maybe you could change the pattern of how you respond to fear on a regular basis. Maybe instead, because when fear comes, and it will, it does, when it comes, maybe you could change just your, your natural, normal response. Maybe that could all change today. That the moment fear comes, the first thing you will do is look for Jesus. If you do that, then this morning has been a win for you. This has been a positive morning for you. It could change the very course of your life. Amen. 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 I accept that. I agree with that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We're going to have communion. If you'd like to remain for communion, you can do that. Um, the uh, uh, ushers, uh, they, uh, I think the cars, if you got picked one up at the, at the donut uh, place, but I think they're coming around. So we have, um, we have, Self-contained commuter, communion cups and, uh, and uh, the unleavened bread in baggies. So, kind of a, I appreciate all the hard work people have put into making these gatherings of, that we have as safe as we can. So, <clears throat> as they pass them out, we're going to worship and let's, uh, let's lift our hearts to the Lord.
so good. comes to us in the middle of the storm <clears throat> is a God who came to us when we're lost, hopeless, and filled with sin. And that on the night that he was to be betrayed, before we'd go to, go to the cross for us and shed his blood for our sins, he he told the disciples, he says, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Not because Jesus, you know, it wasn't that Jesus says, you know, I'm going to do this, you know, this wonderful thing. And I just want you to remember what a wonderful thing I did for you. It's so much, it's not that. He wants us to remember because we forget what he paid for. We forget. It, it is such a norm, normal, it is such a natural human effort is always the religious response 
in our life, human effort. And Jesus wants us always to come back and be reminded it's not human effort, it was his effort. It's not what we can do. He's already done it for us. And so, just to bring us back to where we we always have to get to that starting point. Everything flows from that. And so on the night that it was he was to be betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you. And if you need, listen, if you need touch, healing in your body by his stripes you were healed received by faith as you take the communion and then he took the cup and he said this is a cup of the new covenant of my blood as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup the Lord you, you, uh, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes the new covenant, right here, by the blood of Jesus Christ, no longer bulls and goats, once and for all, for you and me. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
church. Be blessed as you go, as you're dismissed, and uh, we'll see you online Monday night for Bible study. God bless. I am blessed.